Hey there, thank you so much for listening to Something Super Spiritual. My name is Jeffrey Peck, and I am a psychic medium. If you are seeking conversation with loved ones on the other side, or discussion about spirituality, life after life, and anything in between, join me as we discuss all things spirit. We are collectively experiencing a spiritual awakening right now and recognizing that we are much, much more than we once believed. We don't die and life doesn't end. We are eternal spiritual beings living in this crazy 3D virtual world of existence. Let's talk about it. Hey guys, help me welcome our guest today, Brian Bowles. Brian is an incredible medium. He is an incredible teacher. He is an amazing author with a book called A Letter to a Young Medium. And his second book is just weeks away from being released. Brian and I had a deep, deeply candid discussion about our similar history and how growing up with such internal struggle and external trauma, how one can turn what may seem like one's biggest flaw into one's flawless superpower. And there are so many gold nuggets in this episode for everybody who has struggled with loving themselves, um, accepting themselves for who they are, and really just throwing care to the wind and saying, hey, here I am. Love me or not, I'm here and this is what I'm going to do. And it's really, it's really awesome. Brian finally honored his calling in mediumship after working as a family therapist in hospice. And he believes the work of mediumship is a journey to honor the vulnerability and anguish unique to the journey of grief. Brian has sought to develop mediumship in a style that honors the griever and decreases the focus on the medium because he strongly believes that the authority we are offered in this journey can be profoundly harmful to both the medium and the client. And I completely understand what he's talking about. He explains in detail what he means by this. His style, he's, he's one of a kind. He is open and honest and humble and present. And I'm really happy to be able to introduce you to Brian if you don't know him yet. Um, those of you that do know him, you'll be happy to hear from him. He's got a lot of really, really in tune and touching gifts for, for each one of us. Thank you so much for being here, you guys. I hope you enjoy. Brian, welcome to Something Super Spiritual. It is amazing to be sitting here face to face with you. Finally. Yes, it's good to chat with you. I'm so grateful to have this time with you. You know what? The, uh, most, people, most people ask right away. Have you been consciously connected to spirit your entire life? Did you experience this in your crib? Most people want to know, like, was this a lifetime or is this a later in lifetime experience? Well, I kind of, I, so we're getting probably into some belief stuff here a bit, but um, I kind of believe we all are connected to spirit, you know, uh, consciously or unconsciously. I think we're always, we're all connected to spirit. So, yes. Um, but in terms of being conscious of it, not very much, I would say, as a kiddo. I mean, some people talk about, you know, having, you know, profound spiritual experiences when they were kiddos. Um, mine was more, um, my mom, it would kind of freak out my mom, but I would wake up in the middle of the night and be talking with her mother, who actually had Alzheimer's. It was in a nursing home, and I would get this feeling like her spirit would wake me up, and I would be sitting at the kitchen table doing instant oatmeal and talking with her mom. Really? So she loved that. That was very relaxing for her. <laughs> that's awesome. So, yeah, but that's my, my mom really freaked out about it. So I shut, I just shut any of that stuff down completely. Yeah. So. Okay. So what were the synchronicities that led you where you recognized this calling, where you discovered that you were a medium, where you, you know, the breadcrumbs led you from here to here to here to here. And, you know, what were those synchronicities, that magic? That's a great way to, God, that's a great question, actually. Um, 
I'd like to, I want to actually ask you to ask, answer that question too, if you don't mind, I would love to hear your answer. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Question. Um, but I'll give you the, the, the abbreviated version. So I don't tell you too much yeah, yeah. I'm worried with the story, but, um, but I think I'd, ever since the AIDS epidemic, I think I'd been really, I think as gay men during that time period, we were really asked to befriend death. Um, we were asked to get to know death well. And um, and that's how I talk about it. Um, it was very painful. I don't want to make it sound um, so fancy and spiritual because it wasn't. It was really messy and right. complicated. And um, coming out as a gay person in that world was, was pretty intense, I have to say. Um, so I think that's kind of, if I think about how I ended up doing mediumship, that's got to be the foundation of it for me. Um, but I think when I was working in hospice as a family therapist, it just started, it was almost like somebody turned a light on, frankly. Um, I met a medium and she said, oh, you're a medium too. And I was like, okay, thank you, crazy lady. And then I met, went to her office and met with her. And then she proved to me that she was a medium and um, she had me work with her. She had me connect with one of her spirits and um, right it was then. a dog, actually. I'll never forget it. And she, um, I connect with this dog. It looked like a lion's mane and interacted with this dog. Um, thinking I was just making the whole thing up, frankly. And sure. She went into her daughter's bedroom, brought out a picture of this dog. And I kept feeling like it was like a bear. I kept talking about it being like a bear. And on the name of the dog, it was a chow dog. And it said bear. I'll never forget it. For oh, the my God. Yeah. So it was just kind of a way for her to make that very real for me. Mm -hmm. And after that, I think it just it was like um, I just had permission after that to just let that my freak flag fly, if you will, even though I was yeah. overwhelmed by the whole thing. And. Yeah. I was scared of the whole thing, but it just started happening everywhere. Yeah. So I had to get some boundaries. I had to learn a little bit about boundaries early oh, on. Sure. I, yeah. I, I, I understand that. <laughs> um, I was making, I broke all the rules the teachers tell you not to do. I, I just did all of those things. So, but it was, it was a good learning experience, but sometimes at the expense of other people. So yeah. it was a very, uh, very complicated time, but it really, I learned so much during that two-year time period. It was really important. So how old were you? It, where where were you in life at this point? So it's interesting. It kind of coincided with having some pretty serious health issues. And I was, as I mentioned, I was working in hospice as a family therapist and just getting a chance to kind of think about things. That was probably about 15 years ago. I just finished my master's in family therapy. Okay. And um, I think that's really when the whole thing started to emerge. And it took me, I, I really, I would offer readings for folks for almost about two and a half years before um, kind of acknowledging that I was a medium because I, there was, I felt like for me, I had to prove to myself that it wasn't nonsense. And, um, and some people don't require 5,000 miracles to believe in something, but I did. I just was a little yeah. bit skeptical and a little scared of being that kind of goofball that's like out there. Um, oh, profiting off people's misery in a way. I just had to make sure that what we were doing was really um, true. Genuine. Yeah. And it took, and it takes all of us a certain amount of time to kind of discern that. Yeah. Um, but when you get to the other side of that, and that discernment, it's really miraculous because you just start to really see one another differently. You start to see that we're all really spirits in the, in the body. Yeah. You know, learning, learning very challenging lessons at times, but Completely. There's a sense of oneness that comes with this. It's been really miraculous. Yeah. yeah, that's very true. You know, I completely resonate with that because after, uh, so for me, um, you know, I lived very normal life, you know, um, not without its own, my version of trauma, you know, obviously coming up gay and in the eighties and, and coming to terms with that in the nineties and, um, in 95, I tried to kill myself out of that grief and despair and, um, thank goodness it didn't work. Um, I wouldn't be here right now, but, um, but, um, I understand that. I totally understand that. Um, yeah. for me, I was a little bit behind the, the AIDS experience. I think, you know, I'm, I, I have friends who are five years older than I am that were immersed in it. Um, but being born in 1970 and then growing up in small town, South Dakota, I, I just, it wasn't part of my experience. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, in, in 2007 or 2006, I was attuned to Reiki and it, and I was doing it for my mother. You know, I wanted to she'd help her with her osteoarthritis and degenerative disc, whatever. So the side effect for me was that it just blew me spiritually wide open. Yes. And, um, when 
I started to experience mediumship and spirit, it was happening during Reiki treatments and all of a sudden these loved ones are coming in. And I mean, it took me years to like, like you, I, I needed the 5,000 miracles too, because I was yeah. like, does this really happen? Maybe I'm just a good guesser. Yes. <laughs> you know, I totally get it. Um, yeah. It's so, so beautiful because I think what you're describing really matches up with me around trauma. You know, I, um, I had a lot of childhood sexual abuse trauma. And so for me, it was interesting to recognize that I, I think anybody who's gone through trauma as a kiddo, I think it awakened something in us to survive. Yes. You know, I had to go inward to find a way to live, to find yes. a way to be. And so much of being a survivor of any kind of uh, significant trauma is in many ways to survive, we decide we don't matter. And there's a point at which we have to matter to be able to be here, to be able to live. Oh, so I, so true. I think you captured that so powerfully for me. Because I, I would say it was similar in that way, um, that experience with suicide. That's what I struggled with before I um, ended up in um, Alcoholics Anonymous, even though I didn't have a drinking problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a longer story. I, you, you know, I write about that, as you know. But yes, it's, yep. uh, but it's, uh, it's interesting how those, the, that crisis you faced um, became this thing that also became the foundation for your for you to open up and trust your own connection to the divine. Completely. So did, did you feel the divine in that for you? Like I absolutely did. did. I absolutely did. Be okay. Totally. Because uh, it was a uh, winter night in Minnesota mm. in, I want to say like maybe January, February, 1995. And I had just gotten off work at TGA Fridays. It was one o'clock in the morning, driving through a full blizzard, white out in the dark. Wow. And, um, and I had just moved there in November, the previous November. So like three months before. And I moved from Arizona because I was basically running for myself. Yeah. I was running for myself. I knew I was gay. I was terrified. I was ashamed. I was uh, everything that all that. And uh, so I ran for myself only to find myself that I followed myself right up there to Minnesota. <laughs> And, and I just like, I was sobbing. So I couldn't see through the whiteout. I couldn't see through my own tears in the dark. And here comes this light pole. And I was like, I just can't do this. And I was just aiming for the light pole. And oh. I honestly, to this day, and I said this from the very beginning, once I like was able to speak about it. Yeah. It was like a hand came out of heaven and just like picked up my car, like a little matchbox back matchbox car picked it up and just turned it straight back on the road so that's what it felt like to me so maybe um maybe i actually realistically hit a patch of ice that turned me maybe synchronistically in that moment i hit a patch of ice um but but no it was absolute it felt divine and it was yes. my first like experience and that's that's how i would describe it from that moment so yeah i think yeah. that's so beautiful I mean, it's it's a um, it's an amazing thing when you remember. I, at least for me, it felt like the moment I decided to live, and mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, mediumship and well, the, it started with family therapy. Um, it started with that kind of calling, and then hospice, which I didn't choose that uh, that focus. I thought it was actually going to be working with kids and things, but I ended up doing hospice. I won't worry with all the details, but it's just weird how spirit kept placing me in, in rooms and situations and chairs with people um, that would teach me about grief and that would teach me how to trust my grief and not see my grief as a weakness, uh, see my grief as a strength in terms of, um, you know, grief is an experience that's for those who are willing to love. And so uh -huh. when I start to hold grief that way and not as a malady to be fixed, all of a sudden I started to honor the ways in which I chosen to love. And it started to mediumship to seem like a natural, I mean, it wasn't at the time, right? Like all of a sudden I started telling my friends, I'm talking to dead people. And they're like, Oh, do you have a psychiatrist? <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. There's a little bit that. They're like, wow, you're in the DSM book. You're in the diagnostic uh, statistics manual book on many pages. I'm like, I know I love it. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we all go through that, don't we? Where we're like, oh, oh shit, I'm the crazy person in the room. Yes. But, I'm, but, but it's it's weird that that journey actually brought me to my peace. And I think that's the that's the piece that I would 
I think is so beautiful about your story and about the common story for us in our journey of mediumship that, you know, I think sometimes I, early on, I thought the goal was about having all the right evidence and impressing all the right people and all the ego kind of stuff that I can get wrapped into even now. Right. Um, But then it's a miracle to recognize that I have peace with myself. I don't always love myself because that's not true. I'm learning, I'm learning how to work through my self-hatred because my self-hatred is very good at, Oh, uh, pretending to be humor or pretending to be um, sarcasm or whatever. Mm-hmm. My self hatred's very crafty, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I'm trying to include myself in that grace that we get to, that, that goes through us, the grace of the work that goes through us. I'm trying to uh, like imagine what would happen if I included myself in that grace. Oh, so, so beautiful. Thanks so much. We're both working on the same things. It's really fun. It's I was born in 71. So we're basically brothers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So um, thank you for sharing that. That's really, that's amazing. I I think there are a lot, a lot of us out there, you know, that in that period where we kind of like, I I don't, I don't mean to compare because comparing it's it's not apples to apples, you know what I mean? But like the the early days, the 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 twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, the the Gaga men, you know, coming up in that era, had it much different than we did. And then yes. here we are in the seventies, eighties, nineties, when we're coming up, um, it was we kind of hit that that the the forefront of it being okay. You know, it was like it's like the for, the very beginning of it being okay. And, and then, you know, we've got the kids today who are, you know, it's all, woo, they come out of the womb and they're out with the rainbow flag. (laughs) (laughs) No joke. And it's so bizarre, but also beautiful and so amazing. Yeah. 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 It's just, it is, it really is. So, um, so was that, was this all at the beginning, like in the early two thousands, when you really started to open up and, and do recognize your mediumship? Yeah, I would say it was really 2004, 2005. Okay, so um, kind of close to me, just a couple of years before yeah. me. Got it. Okay. Oh, so really close. So we're, yeah, we're close in our time. And what I, what I, but I, my journey towards mediumship was pretty um, windy because I, when I first opened up to mediumship, it just scared me, honestly. And it was kind of overwhelmed by the whole thing. And I was in this fancy therapist mode too. Um, so I was trying to be this kind of fancy therapist with all this professionalism and all that. So I was really grappling with how do I be this, how do I be authentic with myself? It was really complicated. And, and I was so afraid to be that person who was going to be selling carnations at the airport, you know, wearing a, uh, a caftan, <laughs> the, the you know, orange robe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just feels like, and I'm, you know, I'm not making anybody wrong around their no, spirituality I understand. because we all, we all, I kind of, think of spirituality as a wheel of a bicycle and we're all, we all to the center in different ways. And, you know, totally, I don't have a big attachment to what my line looks like to the center, but, but it just, it just is interesting to me when I look back and think about, you know, mediumship is such a beautiful thing in a lot of ways, because we're asked to accept, um, we're asked to accept that we're not going to be acceptable or we're asked to accept the part of us that makes us unacceptable in some ways to the world. And I think that's, but the gift of that is profound, isn't it? That we, we learn to trust who we are and we learn to trust the calling of this work so much that we're willing to accept the consequence that people would leave our life because of it. Mm-hmm. When I opened up about mediumship, a lot of more, more for my husband, by the way, um, but we had a lot of people, especially in John's life that just are no longer in our life at all. Um, wow. They think I've just sailed the ship to crazy bill. Yeah, But I also respect that. I mean, as gay men, I mean, we have to be honest that we've been deeply hurt by people claiming to be spiritual people. Yeah, uh, Those are often the people that cause the greatest harm for us. So yeah. it, it's a big deal, isn't it, for a gay man to announce that, hey, I connect with dead people. And by the way, I really believe that spirit is real, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Even though my, my, you know, my spirit, my connection with spirit is always seemingly very feminine. And, you know, my, my guy, Joanne, is always cursing me out and telling me to be less uh, self-centered. So <laughs> I want a much cooler guy in my next life. Like one that's like, <laughs> like when I'm in this group of circle with these other folks and they're connected with their guides and like Archangel Michael made love to me and I feel better. And I'm like, that never happened to me. I want that. <laughs> I have a Jewish woman bitching at me. So I'm like, so I'm like, 
in the guide department, I got the perfect guide for me because I needed her desperately. Right. But um, in my next life, I would love like that sexy guy that's like making love to me so I feel better. That would be <laughs> never happened. So do you have a guide like that too? Do you have like a really practical down to earth guide that's like telling you to kind of get past yourself? You know what I do? <laughs> I do. Um, yes, his name is MJ. I met him in 2008, I think. Beautiful. Yeah, sitting on a little, a little, um, ironically, a little mountain. <laughs> you know, Aww. I was out, I was out running in Phoenix and uh, in this, in this little, mountainy area called dreamy draw right in the middle of the city um mm -hmm. it's a great big park um i just decided one day i was gonna i needed to sit on top of this like literally on top of this great big rock way up high um not recognizing the irony in it you know and yeah. um and then it just i went into medita meditation and just like disappeared and boom mm. and prior to this you know i didn't really think about guides i didn't it was never I just never thought about it, right? Until maybe Dorian Virtue said something about it in 2007, maybe. And I'm like, ooh. So I would talk to them and be like, who are you? You know, where are you? When are you going to show me? What's your name? You know, <laughs> ooh, this is fun. We're on an adventure together. And yeah. so this day on this rock, I'm sitting That's there. Awesome. And all of a sudden, I see... I see what looks like a, 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 a mountain in front of me with this road that curves around the side up to me. And around the corner, here he comes walking, this man comes walking up towards me. And, and he's, he's dark skinned, he's sexy, he's tall, he's, he's wearing this safari outfit that looks like, you know, the, the guide in Africa would be, you know, yeah tooling you through the desert looking at elephants well we have this talk he tells me you know what what we're doing and tells me more of who i am and why i'm here and what i'm doing he shows me all these people that i'm going to affect and help heal and awaken and all this stuff and and i was like wow okay and uh and i say what's your name and he says and i said what he goes and i was like what and he said it again and i was like can i just call you mj <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yes. <laughs> That's awesome. So he's MJ. Oh, and, and that was my first interaction with him. And at the very end, I said, wait, I have one more question. I said, why are you wearing those clothes? And he said, you're the one that said we we're on an adventure. And I was like, oh, I totally did. You know, and I was like, wow. okay, you know, this is that's weird. <laughs> so I was like, okay, this is real. So that was him. And, and then since then, you know, anytime I call him in today, it's like roll call. There's, you know, <laughs> a list. Yeah. Isn't, isn't that, I see, I love what you're saying because you, to me, it's just evidence. You know, we, we talk about evidence, don't we, in the wor world of mediumship and we both value that, but the evidence in this relationship to me is so beautiful because our guides surprise us, don't they? You know, and, and it's in ways that, you know, your mind's not engaged with, you know, they're like, I'll have an assumption sometimes of what I think Joanne will say to me about a certain situation before I go to her. And sometimes I won't go to her or something because I'm not ready to hear the truth about it. I'm like, no, I'm still wanting to feel sorry for myself. I'm not ready to kind of grow with this yet. Yes. You can't feel sorry for, for yourself with, with her. She's not really, she doesn't, I mean, she's very compassionate, but she doesn't put up with a lot of that. She's like, you've gotten really good at having pity parties. You just have to get better at leaving them. So oh, it's so true. He's so Always good. With the last people. one at that party. <laughs> yeah, totally. But we all we all get ourselves, and you know, we all do that to ourselves, don't we? But but it's what you just said is so beautiful because you couldn't make that up. Mm -mm. That's not. I mean, the way he presented himself and the fact that he's wearing a safari outfit. I mean, all of that is to me. It's just it's a form of evidence for you, at least, that you would trust and know. completely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that to me is, um, it's life-changing, isn't it? To know that we have these guides that are with us and will support us on this journey. I mean, I don't, I don't think I could really, for me, I would say my mediumship has been always through the doorway of Joanne. And I have other guides I interact with, like you mentioned, but I would say for me, my relationship with Joanne is that relationship grew and I really became to realize, realize that it was sincere and real. I felt like, um, the mediumship stuff just started to flow from there. And um, so for me, the, the guide work to me is 
kind of the foundation for me with the work, I would say. It's not mm-hmm. true for everybody, but right. it's been, been true for me. Is that true for you? What do you think the foundation's been for you with your work in mediumship, just to trust and continue with the deepening? What do you think? You know, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I always do ask them to join and bless the session and be here, you know, holding the space. Um, but I've never experienced as if he were the one facilitating the exchange or, um, or you know, being the one to, to lead them. It's, I, I feel like that they're in the room and, and holding the space, but um, it, there's just that, there's this energy that I feel this presence that I, you, you, you know, you know, that presence. And, um, as it's developed, you know, in my mind's eye, you see them walk up to you, you know, you see them that you, 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 you see a man, you see a woman, you see a child, you see a, and you immediately know the relationship, whether it's a brother or a mother or a cousin, you know what I mean? Um, so it, it just kind of like, was more of a knowing than somebody aiding in that, like you're saying. Yeah. See, I love that. And and, because I think we, we have different ways in which we get the information or the ways in which we connect and Mm -hmm. all to me, they're all really profound. And um, oh, I just love that it's real. You know, I think that's the, maybe the the thing for me over the years, it's meant the most is that um, because I, I know there are friends, I even had a friend who, you know, someone I've known for many, many years, really good man. So I'm not making him wrong at all. Um, but he just, uh, he felt like I was just going down a path of manipulation and, um, mm. uh, really taking advantage of people's vulnerability and their grief. And, mm. and I, I really, frankly appreciated his, his concern. Cause I think that's a healthy concern. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but he couldn't, he and I, we couldn't find a way to kind of find common ground with that. So the friendship had to had to be complete, but but it's an interesting thing to recognize that the journey of mediumship, the trust that the way in which we grow with the trust, can I feel like it's changed my life, you know, because I'm I'm learning to trust endings in different ways. I'm learning how to trust beginnings, and learning how to trust not only death but when friendships end and things yes. of that. Just kind of learning to accept and trust that this this is how it's meant to be. To trust that, to kind of peace with that. Um, I, I just find oh, so, so critical for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm always amazed that, uh, it's nice to hear you talk about that. Although I wouldn't mind switching our guide. So maybe we could do an exorcism or something. And we could <laughs> I wouldn't mind a hot guy in a safari outfit. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting how that, how they, uh, how, how, why, like, why, why, why do you have this Jewish lady? Why do I have this? this uh, sexy, hot, you know, um, Indian looking guy. Um, you know, uh, I had another friend who that, you know, he was always talking about this Jewish lady screaming in his ear (laughs) and it was just, I mean, and it was hilarious the way that he would talk about it, but you know, it, that's just like what he's, his life, that's just who he has. So it's just, it's interesting. Well, you want to know the craziest thing is she told me I was Jewish. And I was like, oh, in a past life, I just made that assumption. And oh, in a past life, I must have been Jewish. And maybe she and I were connected. That's what I created the story in my head kind of thing. And then before my mom died, about four months before she died, my uncle had dinner with John and I, my my, uh, husband at a pizza place. I'll never forget it. It's this great pizza place and whatever. It's this kind of family place that we would go meet, meet with him and my aunt. And he breaks out this booklet of all the ways in which um, about our history, about our family's history on my mom's side, turning out that we're Ashkenazi Jews. So it was so crazy to have this relationship with this guide unfold as part of my identity in a way that I just didn't even know. Wow. Powerful. Yeah. So I, I, it's just another form of evidence to me about the relationships we mm-hmm. create and that they're not as nebulous maybe as um, people imagine them to be. Um, Cause Joanne feels like a person, like I'm talking to a friend in life. It's she true. doesn't feel like a mystical being floating on a cloud. I don't, I've never had that experience. I have yeah. friends that connect with big angel energy. I don't think I can do that actually. I've just come to accept it, but, um, but I love that. They're just really very real spiritual beings that you can interact with as if they're buddies. Totally. So, when did you meet Joanne? How did you meet her? 
How'd she show up? Oh gosh, this is so funny. So the guy that had before, cause I went through, um, I, I did the, uh, um, Reiki training too. Okay. And uh, the teacher was like, I don't think you're very good at this. And I was like, I think I kind of suck at this. It was just funny. <laughs> everyone else's hands are getting warm and they're like, Oh, can you feel the energy? And I was like, I can't there's something broken. It was a little bit like the whole class. I was like, I suck. And she's like, Yeah, you kind of do. And it was just, it just became this kind of thing for the two of us, which I loved about her. But, right. But anyway, in that experience, I, I really felt like I got to know my guide, Asira, this woman that I'd gotten to know. And she she was a big part of my childhood, actually. Um, I think about she was big, big part of my childhood. I think about big things that I went through in my childhood. And I think she's the reason I'm, well, I can't say, I think I know that she's the reason I'm still here, frankly. Um, but when I really met Joanne was in a, uh, my very first workshop with uh, my first mediumship teacher. And she was at, she's like, Oh, we're going to introduce you to your guides today. And we're laying on blankets and pillows and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, Oh, you know, I, I didn't know how to do any of this. This is fun, you know, but that's when I first met Joanne. And that's what I was joke, making a joke about when we were all in a circle after we met our guides, I had this profound experience with Joanne and she felt like someone I'd always known. And it was something, um, she said, I'm here to support you with your mediumship. And I was like, okay, you know, she's, and I said, have you been a part of my whole life? And she said, well, I've checked in on you uh, from time to time, but she said, you were kind of a pain in the ass when you were younger. So I let other people step for <laughs> That's how she spoke to me from the oh beginning. My God. Really cool. But I really, you know, I love that about her, but mm -hmm. anyway, so after um, I met her and had that first contact with her, I was, you know, very emotional because she showed me my dog um, that my, uh, this is for, I can't believe I'm telling you the story. Um, of course I can, because of the kind of man you are, you're such a, uh, such a gentle, uh, beautiful guy. But, but anyway, um, my mom in a really in a bad situation with her mental health came to pick me up at school when I was in third grade with my dog and her puppies that she had had. And their eyes had just begun to open and she forced me to let them go at a park. And oh. I don't, Tell you that story to make my mom out to be a monster because she isn't she right. was very ill and wasn't getting the support she needed really and so i have a lot of compassion for her um but i'll never forget for the rest of my life when she lifted up her dress and the puppies and my dog came out and, and greeted me i i couldn't stop crying oh. and you can see my eyes already start to well i'm telling you about i, I want to cry too yeah that's just it was life-changing and so um I wasn't thinking at all about my dogs, not even, they weren't even on my consciousness. Yeah. So that's a moment that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. And we were all in a circle sharing about our guides. And, you know, this is the, I mean, it really, this is what happened. It was so funny. One lady was like, Oh, Archangel Michael came down and made love to me and I have no pain. And okay. What's that like? And Archangel Raphael, I mean, the next person, like literally Archangel Raphael stepped down from the heavens and, immersed into my spirit. Now I have the fifth level of consciousness and my eighth chakra. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Excuse <laughs> my but all these words, I was like, I don't know what, oh, I, there's just a lady named Joanne that's cursing at me. I mean, it was funny because you know, I was like, <laughs> yes. I don't relate to any of your experiences, but that's kind of how it's been. I think um, that's a little bit of the journey we all have is that we all have our unique things. Yes. So, thanks for letting me share that. I'm, I'm uh, really oh grateful. Gosh. Thank you for sharing that. It's beautiful. Um, okay. So you know what? Since we're talking about this, yeah. for, for the listeners that are hearing us talk about our guides, um, and it might be the first time or it might be the second time, you know, what what sort of advice would you have for people who are thinking about, you know, maybe there is somebody there with me? What What would you have to say to help people out? Well, my very first sponsor in the 12-step program because um, really I was more Al-Anon than a, well, I'm not, not even more Al-Anon. It was just all Al-Anon, really. I had a thinking problem rather than a drinking problem is kind of how he would language it. But but I was really a wreck. I was suicidal. I didn't want to live. I just was, I just was a total wreck at that time. But came time for the third step. And the third step is where you make a decision to kind of turn your will over to a higher power. That's kind of the big idea of the third step. I didn't really believe in a higher power at that time. I was anti-religion. I mean, I still kind of am anti-religion, mm -hmm. if I'm honest. But I was anti kind of any authority, really. And mm -hmm. I st still kind of am anti-authority. Anyway, you're getting, yep. sorry, something's <laughs> going to change. But anyway, so, um, but I'm going through this experience. And my, uh, Scott Jackman, a really beautiful, beautiful soul, um, 
and um, he he's such a powerful person in my life. But he set up two chairs. I'll never forget it. And he said, I want you to picture the person you know loves you in this chair. And I'm, I want you to sit in this chair. And I want you to look across. And I want you to see someone you know loves you. And at first, my mind couldn't come up with something. He said, stop thinking about it. He said, when you sit in that chair, you're going to see someone that you know loves you in that chair. So I sat in that chair and I saw this African-American woman that helped to raise me. I would go to her home um, when I was a kid and things were just kind of crazy. And she just became a real refuge for me. Um, I mean, profound refuge, actually. So that's the first thing I saw was her. And he said, just speak to her. He said, this is your higher power. Just talk to her. And so the beauty of that was that he taught me how to make this personal. And the miracle was, I'll never forget it. He said, ask um, any question you want of her. And I said, and I, I'll never forget it. I asked inside. I didn't say it out, out loud. I said, um, why? Basically, my question was, um, why am I a child? Or why was I made into a child that my parents couldn't love? Because that was, that's where I was at that time, you know, younger, you know, kind of going through all that stuff. So I sat in that chair and I started, I felt the tears come and I, and he said, just respond as if you're her. I felt the tears come and I, I just started basically talking about how you are a gift from God. You're a child like any other. You belong to me. You belong to everyone. Um, you are, you're a miracle of, uh, made in the heart of God. Don't let anyone take that away from you. I couldn't believe the words coming out of my mouth. Um, so that's kind of how I would say that connection or that permission was formed was with Scott Jackman that day in those chairs. Wow. And so I would just say to somebody that's struggling with the guide pieces, the experience is more important than the mind. So I, I'm a big believer we should have the miracle and then our mind can figure it out. Our mind's going to always make up stories to try to make sense of these miracles we have in life. Yes. And um the mind may minimize, the mind, the mind may exaggerate, the mind may do all these things, but I'm a, just a big believer in somebody having their own experience yeah. and not giving their authority over to a goofball like me or to anyone really Yeah, um, to know that they are as divine as anybody else. No one is special in this journey. In my opinion, we're yeah. all included. Um, this grace is meant to touch all of our hearts. Every single one of us. Mm-hmm. No oh, that there. makes me a little bit emotional hearing you talk about like that. It's just like, oh, so beautiful. Wow. Thanks so much. You're so kind. You know, but how did you experience that? How did that become real for you? Because there's a permission in that, isn't there? There so is a permission. permission. Um, you know, when I was when I was experiencing what I experienced on that little mountain. Yeah. And I had the evidence that only would mean something to me, you know, yeah. um, you know, uh, somebody who is a, a total empiricist might hear my story and just wave it off, you know, um, yeah. that's fine, whatever, but it meant everything to me and you can feel it to your very core, that, that realness, you know, yes. and you're right. Nobody can take that away from you. And, yes. and once you accept that, it's like there, that permission just lands within you. And, and then as you're, you know, cruising through life, you've got this little extra piece on the inside of you that it, you, you just start to, these little validations just happen through synchronicity after synchronicity after synchronicity. And it's, 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 um, it's magical. It's miracle after miracle after miracle. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, I it's wish- incredible. Uh, yeah, I, I wish I, I want I wish this for everybody. You know, I just wish this for everybody. And it's a huge reason why I have this podcast. You know, I yeah. just want I want this. This podcast is my mountaintop. And I'm just like, blah, you know, I want to share everybody with everybody. So, um, yeah, thank you for being here, by the way. <laughs> no, I'm so honored to connect with you. And you're doing it. You're doing it with the intention of love. I, yeah, I so. and you can feel that, can't you? You know, it's mm-hmm. it's um it's like part of your calling mm-hmm. and part of what you're offering to folks is you're in just like with me. I mean, my time with you has been really beautiful because you you create the space for me to be who I am. I get to be vulnerable. I get to, I mean I get to share stories I didn't think I would share. So 
I mean, I, I think that's a miracle, isn't it? I mean, that isn't Thank it? Isn't it an amazing awesome. thing when we just are willing to see one another? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's that's it. That that's absolutely it. So much of our traumas in life stem from not being seen, not being heard. Every single one of us. So yeah, that's it's big. It's really big. Yeah. So you're creating a space for that to to happen mm -hmm. for all yeah. of us. Yeah, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. That's, that's a little bit of uh, a little bit of a boost that I, I think I needed. <laughs> so thank you. Of course, yeah. Um, your books are, uh, your writing. I I mean I can't even like I I could just go I could ooze all over you because your writing is is every it's it's everything. It's hysterical. It is vulnerable. It is truth. It is light. It is dark. It is, I mean, it is, oh, it's so beautiful. Uh, anyway, your first book, uh, A Letter to a Young Medium, is that right? Yeah. I don't even know how I found it. It's one of those synchronistic, synchronistic moments. You know, it just kind of like crossed my path somewhere before your name did. And I thought, yeah. oh, this is really interesting. Um, and I, I downloaded it on um, the Kindle, I think. And, and it sat there, it sat there for a while. And then one day I was like kind of going through everything and I saw it and I was like, Ooh, so I read it and oh, I was on a plane headed um, to Aspen. I think I was going skiing and I, I was just, it spoke to me in, in, on every level from your own childhood experiences with your uh, coming out experiences um, your coming out spiritually experiences, the experiences you had while you were figuring all of this out, spirit and mediumship. And uh, it's just so beautiful. Um, you, you've written a second book. Has that come out yet? I know we talked about that a few months ago. Is that- No, I'm, I'm getting ready to put it out to the world. It's going to be probably, I'm afraid to say, but I think it'll probably be in three to four weeks. I'm oh, really close. Up. I just, uh, yeah, there, I, it's so funny. I'm I I revisit writing that I did two years ago. Now it doesn't sing true to me anymore. So it's I've had to rewrite a lot of the, a lot of what I wrote, and so um, it's interesting. But that means it means a lot to me. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. It's true, you know. And and the thing is, you know, I was thinking about this before we got on, and um, the title being, you know, a letter to a young medium. I think. Obviously, it speaks to those of us who this is our calling. And this is, you know, we we can we sense this from the very inner core of who we are. But outside of that, even somebody who's not a medium, it would still speak to them. It would still bring that light of awareness and um, um, that inner sense of their own struggle, which whatever it may be, whether I mean, whether they're gay or straight, you know, we all have these struggles in our youth and childhood, even today. I mean, I don't think it's really it, <laughs> you know, just it just changes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just speaks to so many people. Um, what's next for you? You you have this book that's coming out in three or four weeks. You're re in the process of rewriting it because you're a different person now. Yes. Um, so talk a little bit more about what's next. Um, I, you know, so I have a really amazing mentor in Jen Shepard. She's, um, yeah, I talk about her a lot cause she really is really, she's just an amazing teacher, frankly, but, um, but she said to me, um, what's your calling in mediumship? And I thought, well, mediumship is my calling. She's like, no. What's your calling in mediumship? It just was helpful. You know, she's helping me to clarify. And it was like a full circle moment for me because I think I got really distracted by the kind of approval, approval aspect of things, if you will. So I kept finding people that didn't approve of me. And that's it's really a beautiful lesson, very painful one. Um, but it was very, very important for me to go through that experience of feeling that I wasn't approved of for who I was. Um, it was really, really important for me in my mediumship work because it clarified. It's kind of like what Jen said to me. Is it about, is it about, because I had this kind of wound in me that kind of always wanted to earn the approval of the world, always wanted the world to accept me for who I was. 
to feel like there was a lunchroom table for me as a kid where I could sit and people wanted me to be there. It was that kind of, you know, we all can I relate understand to that, that completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, it's that universal lesson. I think all of us go through in a different way. We may have different details to that wallpaper, but mm-hmm. I think we all understand that. But anyway, so I had to go through this experience of not being approved of. And I had to go through an experience of looking in the mirror and saying, yeah, there's some parts of how I'm doing this mediumship journey that are not okay. And they're all about me and they're all about advancing me in the world or whatever. Yes, I had to kind of have some confrontation with myself a little bit about um, who I who I really am versus how I'm acting in the world. It was a really interesting, painful experience, but really important. But Jenna said, you know, what's your calling in mediumship? And, you know, for me, I recognize my work's about grief. My work's about the work I was doing at Denver Hospice. I started to recognize that I needed to reclaim my calling that put me in that office at Denver Hospice working with people that were dying. I needed to remember who I, that, you know, remember the person that was drawn to that work and not get distracted by that. So I feel like knowing my primary purpose around is around grief and around honoring people's grief and around witnessing other people's grief. My writing and my work has to be about that. So I'm writing a book about um, kind of my my how-to book about mediumship because um, I, I do mediumship, not special. It's not, none of that nonsense, but I just realized the way I do mediumship is a little bit different. And we all are, aren't we? Um, so I'm writing a book for folks that are more like me in the work and more emotionally oriented and and um, sometimes a little chaotic, frankly, uh, kind of like throwing yourself off a cliff and hoping you hoping something catches you a little bit, <laughs> a little bit <laughs> something <like> soft. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's a little bit. Um, so that, that, that's kind of mo- mostly what I'm up to. But I would say um, last thing I mentioned about that is the writing piece for me is if it's a it's a great reminder to me. If we just as writers, when we start to tell the truth about what it feels like to be in the dark or to feel like we don't matter or to feel like we're at a, you know, those really hard learning points that we get to in life. If we start to write about those moments, what can feel really personal, the miracle of writing, in my opinion, is that you start to recognize what feels so personal to you becomes universal. Um, so whatever story I've written, I, the reactions I get from friends of mine that are patient enough to read my writing on Facebook when it's not been edited or anything like, like you, my friend, you know, people are willing to read your writing when it's kind of not there yet. But the miracle is that people say, oh, I understand that, Brian, I relate to that. Mm-hmm. And so I think writing has been this great gift to remind me that I'm, that we all grieve that we all hurt, that we all feel alone at times. We all feel separate. We all are seeking that sense of belonging, that common universal lesson. And then what does that mean about our work? Well, I think part of our work is to create that sense that everybody belongs, to create that environment where everybody's pain is honored. Um, and I think your mediumship changes profoundly when you work in that through that door because you're not trying to prove yourself anymore as a medium. You've kind of gotten past all that. Yes. All of a sudden, the focus is more on the client and more on like, how am I, what does it look like to be the most loving witness I can be for this person and for their loved ones? Because to me, if we're all spirits, then the person in the body is not really any different than the person in spirit. Totally. So anyway, so that's probably a longer answer than you. No, it was, it was beautiful. I mean, I had chili bumps through most of that. It was just absolutely um, yeah, you know, we all are, we, we all are grieving, all of us, whether we've lost somebody or not, we're grieving something, you know, whether it's the, whether it is a loved one or it's a relationship or it's a friendship that's no longer here, or it's a career that no longer is working for us for whatever reason, or yes. I mean, or our dogs that are, you know, our pets that are beloved, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's something all the time, every day, every single one of us. Yes. And to have somebody sit there with the capability of witnessing and just honoring that space, that's a lot. Beautiful. Yeah. And it's what we all need. I, I feel so lucky to, I mean, that's the miracle of the work is that I feel so lucky to be able to witness people in this way. Yeah. You know, we all have different ways in which we witness one another, you know, doctors, they witness us in a way, don't they? 
Yeah. And attorneys witness us a certain way. Um, teachers witness us in a certain way. But mediumship, it's not special or different. I mean, I know in the in our world now we perceive it that way, but I just feel like mediumship is another way of witnessing another. And it's a different, we're attending to a different aspect in the room than a doctor does, an attorney does, than a teacher does, than a therapist does. We're right. attending to a different energy. We're allowing a different energy to be in the room. And so that's, it's an amazing thing when we allow that to grow. And I just want to ask you that question, if you don't mind, my friend, um, how has it impacted you and how you think about yourself as a gay person? The mediumship, you mean? Yes. Yeah, your journey with mediumship. How has it impacted that part of you? How you see yourself in that way? You know, that's a really great question. And, and it's like something I have never even thought about. After coming out in 1995, after having that experience, I moved away from Minnesota back to Arizona. The first day that I landed, I literally got on the phones before cell phones, obviously. I laid on the phone on the floor with my legs up on the wall. And I made phone call after phone call after phone call after phone call and told everybody I was gay. And this is what happened. And this is where I've been. And this is where I'm going. And, and I just got it all out of the way. And it was freeing. You know, mm. it was free. And I no longer carried that weight that burden, that, that weight of, of feeling less than or not accepted. I finally accepted myself. So then moving forward, when the spirituality happened and, and I started to recognize all of this within myself and I, and I often would, you know, compare, well, I came out once before I can do this again, you know, and, and it too, you know, experienced the same thing we talked about earlier, people disappearing one right after another. Um, but it wasn't offensive to me. It wasn't, I, I wasn't hurt. It was like, okay, you know, this is, this is where you are. This is where I am. Bless. See ya. Yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's really like given Beautiful. me this sense of okayness. That, that, you know, I've, I've got two big aspects about myself that most people are uncomfortable with. Yes. But here I am showing you that I'm, I'm doing my best to still love myself and love you in the time, in the, in the same breath, you know, <laughs> and just show you that we're all so similar and there's really nothing different about my difference to your difference. Yes. It's all, we're all the same it's kind beautiful. of different. So there's really no difference. Can you say that again? That was so beautiful. So can, there really is no difference in our differences. Right. We all have that experience of feeling othered or different. Totally. We're the, like, there's a movie called We're the Same Kind of Different. And it's just. Oh, true. wow. Love that. The same kind of different. It's just, it lands with me and, and it's okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, but it's interesting, isn't it? I remember being a kid at, Catholic church praying that God would take away the demon of homosexuality. Cause that's what the priest told me it was called. I was yes. Like, I was like, what is all that about? It's so dramatic, by the way, when I look back on, it, I'm like, really girl, calm down. <laughs> I know. I'm like, really? Are your heels not fitting today? Mm, sorry. Cause you look great in your dress. That's what I always want to say. These poor priests, but anyway, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But anyway, so I remember praying for God to make me different and I'm so grateful that that prayer was not answered in the way that I desired it. That oh, totally. Isn't it a miracle to be yeah. this age and to kind of feel, I feel like it's been the blessing of my life. The thing that I was most ashamed of has turned out to be the thing that's been the greatest impetus for growth and for getting over myself, frankly, and for um, seeing the beauty in every person. Yes. Um, because I, we both had to go to a certain kind of hell to find ourselves yep. and find the, and to choose ourselves. That's I the way you describe that story. See, that's a good example to me of writing. I mean, if you wrote that story, I would, I mean, I would love to read it first of all, but I know every there's so many people that would benefit from that story. 
So it'd be interesting for us to keep chatting about your writing and for me to keep bugging you about your writing. Yeah, well, that's not surprising. I've been told there's yeah. a book, a book or two or three inside, inside, and I'm just I keep getting that nudge, 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 nudge. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, because you have beautiful stories, and you know, it, it's that it go when we can go from the personal to the universal. I think it's profound. I think that's where I find one another um, in that space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's where we all, that's where we find our, find our connection, you know, that we're all really like, oh, we are the same. Yes. <laughs> but I want to hear from you if you don't, and I know I, I don't want to take over the interview, but I do want to ask one more question about you. Please. So what's, what's your calling in your work as a medium now? Kind of the question I asked you or that you asked me, I'd love to know, where do you feel like this is leading you in this, at this point in the journey? You know, that's a really, another great question. I love how the tables have turned. <laughs> um, you know, I, what is my calling with mediumship? People, people sharing this reality and this truth with as many people who are willing to open themselves to see it for what it is. Um, leading to healing the, the, this this healing that happens you know when people listen to readings that aren't theirs they don't know the people that are they're listening to but with each and every single one of those readings there's something that touches that person on the inside yes and it's the same thing with the people on the other side you know they're healing like we're healing they're part of the story like they're part of the story like we're part of the story and so sharing all of these stories uh-huh. with each and every one of us is just bringing that much more healing, love, light into each and every one of us. And it's just, it's, there's a reality to it for me that is so much more than dogma or doctrine or anything that's written, you know? And it's that, it's that essence that you feel in that moment, that feeling that, that nobody can take away. And it's the yeah. feeling that essence that the sitter is sitting in front of you that is feeling their mother or their loved one or their who, their dog, whatever. And they know that what is happening is so real. And and then the the people that are listening to all of this, it's there's that feeling that that is just lighting up that little aspect within themselves that takes them to a little bit more awareness within. That that drives this curiosity, like yeah. hmm. What is this about myself? Maybe there is more. Maybe I am more. Yes. So. But I, lo- I love that. You know, I, I was working with a mom this week um, whose son completed suicide. And I'm not going to reveal any details about that, sure. of course. But but it's interesting. The spirit said to his mom, he said, you're still my mother. I still learn from you every day. And that to me is for some reason, I heard it differently this time. I've had messages like that, I'm sure, in the past. But there's times when spirit will speak through us and the message will, it's almost like my guide will put the mirror up and kind of remind me, you know, it's like, okay, you need to pay attention to this. And so I love that. I, I just think you language that in such a powerful way, that idea that we're all growing. People in spirit are growing, that we're all on this journey together, whether we're in the body or not does not reflect whether or not we're growing towards love and grace and respect for one another. And I love that that work continues. I love that that work is not limited by our life. I think that's a profound gift. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. That was beautiful. So. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Good chat with you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, we've been talking for about an hour here. So, so oh. we've had, there's been so many beautiful nuggets in this last hour and it seems like it's been, all of six minutes. Um, what's one last piece that you'd like to share with the listeners as we close this up? You know, the one thing I would say, assuming that there's developing mediums that are listening to this, but I'm sure developing healers, developing, you know, any light workers or therapists, you know, I'm sure whatever that person's calling is, I think it's a powerful thing to not wait for somebody to tell you that the chair is there for you to start to see that the chair has always been there for you and not wait for the world around you to approve of you. 
um, because, um, you know, mediumship to me, the growth of that work occurs in the work and occurs in our connection to the divine. And so that's, I don't know why I feel like it, I want to share that guidance. Um, I hope it's okay. Maybe it's for me to hear it again, frankly, but um, it's really a valuable thing in your journey of mediumship to not wait for the world to say you're good enough. Um, and of course, we have to have good boundaries and make sure we're not offering a service we can't do. That's I'm a big fan of having integrity with our work. That's fine. We say that a lot to each other. So I think we're we're on that same page in the world. Sure. But but I also think there's a wisdom in recognizing that the approval the world offers you is not tied to your success in the work of mediumship. It's your work as a medium with a client in profound grief that will always define the quality of your work. Always. You can have 50,000 people that think you're lovely and they, you've taken classes with them or you've taken classes with all the best teachers. At the end of the day, this is the really complicated job where we can't hide. It's just us and our client. So every client I feel is always going to make me better and reveal that I'm not done. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I never feel like I'm ever going to be good at this work. And it's not faux humility or any of that other nonsense. It's really true for me that a spirit will come in that I've never, that I wasn't able to honor properly, or a client will come through and work with me that I wasn't able to honor properly in their needs. And I feel like that's where the end, that's always where the growth is, in my opinion, is with, is it across from a client doing the real work? Yes. And not to, to not wait for the world to tell you it's okay to practice and sit across from folks and practice in the growth. And because that's where the miracles are. I think the mind may be satisfied by the classes, which I needed. I'm not making that wrong. Classes yeah. really helped me profoundly, but I think they help my mind make sense of the miracle. Um, but we have to have the miracle. So I, that's the only thing I would say is for people to take the risk to do the work, to practice the work, to be in yes. the work, um, because it's to me, it's so much more powerful than classes and things. I and mean, do you agree with that? Does yeah, that make yeah. sense? Mm -hmm. I, I do. I do. And I understand what you're saying too, you know, about feeling like you're never going to be good enough or however you, however you said, yeah, I totally understand that with each, with each sitting, uh, with each experience, you know, I, I, I do want to be the best I can be. And there are those, there are those times where for whatever reason, you're not connecting the way you would hope to connect or deliver what you, you know, and being able to let go of that and just trust in the process and just recognize that, well, here's the way I look at it. You know, in life, in life, there are people that we just don't see eye to eye with. There yes. are people that just, we don't vibe with. Yeah. And it's gotta be the same thing with people. There's still people over there. So they just might be one of those people over there who, if they were in life here, we probably wouldn't be like vibing with and that's okay. Totally. Yes. <laughs> you know, so it, it could be as silly about. as that, you know. <laughs> I love that. And not destroy ourselves with any of exactly. that. Exactly. And yeah, not just completely just tear yourself apart. Like you, you, you're just, you know, the worst medium, or you're a fraud, or you're you're like just what what are you doing sitting in this chair for? You know, yeah. oh, that's painful. Been there too many times, and I don't want to, yeah. You just have to honor it and trust it. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, it's, a, I mean, and the last thing I would say to you, my friend, is that, um, you know, it, it's an amazing thing to create a podcast um, where you operate with so much respect and love for the other person. I mean, what if every interaction we had with each other could be healing? What if I took responsibility for my part? Recognizing I can't control the, the beliefs or the stories or the anger or the whatever that other people walk in the world with. Yep. Um, but what if, what if like the way you're doing your podcast, what if that was mediumship? Yeah. What if that was a reflection of your mediumship? What if that was a reflection of your calling in that work? I mean, I don't know. I just, I'm starting to think that way that what if everything we do is a reflection of our mediumship in a way, the, the grace Mm -hmm. a channeling of the grace, a connecting of the grace. Um, yes. So something I'm kind of toying with in my brain these days. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing it completely. Makes sense. It's really good to see you. Thanks again for inviting Thank me. Thank you hang too. Out. Thank you yeah. so much for being here. This has been fantastic. Yes. And you are amazing. So it's good to chat with you.
Well, you're amazing. No, you're amazing. No, you're amazing. (laughs) Thank you again for listening to the Something Super Spiritual Podcast. If you know someone who would enjoy this episode, please do share it with a friend. For show notes, links, and to purchase a mediumship reading, my website is somethingsuperspiritual.com. You can also easily subscribe and follow the show on your favorite app, sign up for my newsletter for bonus content, and to keep the conversation going, you can easily join the Facebook community. It's all right there at the website, somethingsuperspiritual.com. Signing off for now, namaste. Namaste.